1: inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: All right, and we are back at the Good Food Awards, the D.C. Mercantile Good Food Awards. Uh, it's a lovely Sunday afternoon here. We're continuing to drink uh, what we're calling now death moses, which started out as black mimosas, a little activated charcoal lemonade and kava. Uh, Never heard anybody on a Sunday. But this is Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jack Insley with... Katie Moseman.
3: Nice to see you all again. Yeah. And we have another very special guest host with us today, Allison Hamlin. Hi. Hi hey guys. What's up?
2: We also have another radio person we just found out. We thought it was just vegan snacklins, but... Uh... It's a
4: mix of everything. I just <laughs> also want to thank you guys, first off, for the deathmosas. Also, don't feel bad. I have literally... Re- I've been calling it, like, the good health, the food health. Good, And I finally just wrote it on my hand, so I know it's the good food mercantile. <laughs> It's tough. It's just it's a lot. I try to put everything positive in there, you know. I'm like the healthy angel, unicorns, mercantile I'm like, no, nope, that's not it. Yeah, that's, not it. Like, that's not it. You're G- oh, like, this is the voice G- of Sammy G- K of um, Snacklin. G-
2: it sounds a little like Dan Savage, actually.
4: GFM sounds like an LMFao album. I'm not gonna lie. Oh.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
5: I don't
2: know what it would stand for, but I'll think of the acronym before the end of the interview. Okay,
1: all right, we're going to come
2: back to you on that one. Let's give you a proper intro, yeah? Um, We are with Sammy Kay, who, uh, actually, Katie, we you want to introduce the company that you actually pointed this out on the list as the most interesting interview. Yeah,
3: this really called to me and uh, our whole staff as we were going through the list of producers who are going to be here at the Good Food Awards. Um, So Snackland's is, get this, vegan pork. Rhine cracklins. Is that right? It makes right?
4: zero sense, but that's exactly what it is. It is a vegan chicharron, a scratching, a cracklin, a pork rind, whatever you want to call it. We are the vegan version of that. So you
3: probably get this a lot, but I have a lot of questions about this.
4: Tons. I'm ready. I got all the answers. Okay. It's actually way more simpler than people think. So,
3: so first of all, though, uh, are you a vegan, Sammy?
4: I don't know if you can tell by my beautiful physique, but the answer would be a no for that one. <laughs> um, but I do support that. I think, like, you know, I like to eat healthy. I try to eat as healthy as possible. But, you know, I'm not going to turn down a sweet pizza any right. of the week. Because
3: so. you have a background. We learned a little bit just now about your, your radio background, but you have a, a background as a barbecue chef,
4: right? That's actually my business partner, Logan. Oh, okay. He has a background as a barbecue chef. I have a background in radio. The two of us were just hanging out, one out at his barbecue restaurant perhaps partaking in some things and then he was like dude what if we made a vegan pork rind and i was like genius let's do it and a year later this joke has gotten way out of hand (laughs) and now we're here interviewing on the heritage radio network and we don't really know what's going on
3: (laughs) so so what is it
4: okay it's actually so it is you you look at it from the outside it is going to look like a pork rind right but we just wanted to make a really healthy plant-based like snack chip that you could enjoy. So it's literally just mushrooms, onions and yuca. Only wow. 3 ingredients. Just 3 ingredients GMO-free, guilt-free, gluten-free, meat-free. How did you get the guilt out? The guilt, uh, that was. Uh, we actually paid a designer to get that out for us. So
2: oh, wow. You pay the right
4: designer for your packaging. They'll get rid of anything for Can
5: you. I, can he handle okay. my life? Because that would be great. Oh,
4: Alexis will hook you up, man. Yeah, she'll right, hook you up. All right, cool. I'm going to, we'll, so. we'll be in
5: touch on that. Yeah. yeah. Are they fried? Uh, they are.
4: They're going to be flash fried for a hot second. So yeah. that's kind of how you get that puff. Um, but it's, yeah, it was honestly, like, it was a year and a half of us just experimenting. We had a million failures until finally one day it worked. I believe it was like in the middle of the day I just started screaming from the basement of the barbecue restaurant. Logan thought I'd burn myself. He ran down and realized, oh my God, we actually got this. And right place, right time. And like we just decided to put them in bags. I don't know. It's like we said, it's a joke that got out of hand.
2: Do you have any background in food?
4: Um, I like working kitchens. I like working kitchens. I've worked like on the line at a bunch of different restaurants in D.C. just for fun. But Logan's the actual chef. I'm the radio guy. Okay.
2: This is, like, the best food radio interview It's
4: ever, fun, but. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, like, when I tell people, they're like, I'm a Muslim from Iowa, right? And he's, like, a country boy from Arkansas, and we're making vegan pork rinds in the nation's capital. Like, none of this makes sense. This
6: is, like, a Frankenstein of all. It does. You're like, it's
5: alive somehow, and we're feeding it with vegan pork rinds until, like... Something happens.
4: We tell people it's like a Mad Lib. You know what I mean? Like, read our bio. It just sounds like a Mad Lib. Someone just yelled out, "Muslim!" All right, I'm a country boy. And like, all right, what's next? Give me a product. Vegan pork rinds. Like, it just it sounds made up. So it just uh, sounds like a Mad Lib.
7: How's your? Uh, so how's the
5: reception? been? people love them. It's the, it's the here's the
4: thing. Is also like beyond that it is a vegan pork rind. Yes, but really the thing about it is, is we want to make a healthy snack chip, and yeah. it's sixty calories for a whole bag of chips you know well, damn. potato wow. chips can't even touch that let alone are they even potatoes anymore like it's a mix of so much crap now that we're literally just mushrooms onions and yuca. a whole bag 60 calories you can eat three or four of them and still not feel bad about yourself you uh-huh. know and so that's kind of what we try to do you know it just happens to kind of look like a pork rind Like, that has nothing to do with it. I'll tell you, I'm a horrible Muslim. I eat pork on the
2: regular, so... I was going to ask, is it meant to mimic a pork rind? It is meant to. Like, that was kind of our
4: initial idea. And then we made them almost as a special for the restaurant. And then once we sent them out, like, to get them... certain all the FDA stuff, the health information, we were like, holy shit, these are, like, mega healthy. Like, really healthy. (laughs) Holy crap. And that was just kind of a... That was kind of a surprise, and I think what helped us make it more of just... Us making them for his restaurant as a joke to, you know, selling at Whole Foods. Like, damn.
3: Yeah. So where else are they available? Whole Foods is what? Uh,
4: Whole Foods, Glenn's Garden Market. We love them. They're our first retailer to get us. Uh, you guys are drinking your death are made with South Block. That juice, you can buy them at the South Block locations. That's our boy over there, Amir. Yes, organic. Uh, and then you can always, if you just go to our website, snacklins.com, we list all of our national sellers as well. So anyone that sells them, we're slowly creeping out.
5: Uh, where'd the name come from?
4: Uh, on, okay, again, we were partaking in maybe some funny extracurricular activities. And I was like, dude, Cracklins, but, like, Snack. Eh, snacklins. <laughs> and just, like, hit you like that. I was mean, like, genius. And, of course, we took, a po- we took, like, a poll at the bar, like, at 1230 in the morning. Like, so yo, everyone yo, loved it. And then we got all the social medias. We bought the website that night. And... Now we just kind of been stuck with the name. So yeah, we're Snacklands.
8: Well, it's good thing you spelled it right.
4: Yeah, funny story actually I'm- is Snacklands. We actually had to go to court with Keebler over that name. Oh. No way. Sna- like they tried to release a snack chip like a cheese cracker back in like the day in the 90s called Snacklands. And so when we applied for the trademark for Snacklands, we had to Luckily the elves, super cool, super chill even their lawyers are rad, so, you know, no issues. They were wow. like, well, cool. Out we're cool. Keebler. Try- Keebler's not trying to sell vegan pork rinds anytime soon. How's it so. Keebler?
2: You must wake up some days and be, like, shocked that you actually run Snack Lids. Like, oh. that's your full-time I thing, wake up right? a lot
4: of these. my girlfriend just, like, give me the middle finger. She's like, ah, look at you. You're happy. You wake up when you want to. You pick your schedule. And I was like, yes. I can't believe vegan pork rinds did that. Like, you know, if you had <laughs> talked to me years ago, I was doing radio and tv on the regular i thought that's what my life was going to be and then next thing i know i just i'm here waking up day to day shoving like 40 cases of snacklins in the back of this crappy like hyundai accent we bought for 500 dollars. <laughs> like we have so we don't even have like it's the best car because we don't even have like a side view mirror two of the doors don't even open uh-huh. so i get to, like it's shove perfect. them through the windows in the backseat yeah. and pull them yeah. out through the windows you know, we're, we're a small company just kind of growing as we go. And to us, it's, it's, it's a wild ride. We're just really honored and, I guess, blessed to, to be able to partake in do it.
2: Do you miss radio at all?
4: Uh, no, because I get to hang out with cool people like you. So hey, hey. I can always talk and, you know. Yeah. My girlfriend, I think, misses me being in radio more than I do because I talk to her a lot more than I used to <laughs> because I don't have an audience to speak to every morning for, like, five hours. So now <laughs> when she wakes up, I'm like, you're my audience. Da-da-da-da. And she's she's just not a morning person like I am. Yeah. but she's amazing.
3: So. Uh, so Snackland sounds like a fairy tale. Um, it you is. know, the, the the story of your launch and the amazing discovery in the basement and and everything. You know, it sounds like it's all gone really smoothly. Have there been any challenges or like great learning experiences that you've had getting this off the ground? Well, I'll
4: say, yeah. Like I mean, Logan and I have no idea how to run a business. We have no idea how to do that, and so. The one challenge that we really had was just figuring out like the back of house stuff, you know, like what goes on, how do we do this? How do you even get your non-GMO certification? How do you even go about getting new packaging? How do you go about doing this stuff? And so we actually got to team up and I think the thing that most people can understand as a small business, the best thing to do is team up with other people in your same position. Because they all have info. They maybe have just spent three months working on shipping and they can give you that info. And it's like, yes. So like we teamed up with Union Market, I mean sorry, with Union Kitchen. Uh, so our friends at Union Kitchen were part of their accelerator program I and mean, they've been like taking care of us I mean helping us with all the background stuff I don't know anything about owning a like business H, and H,
3: like the H the, the Hcap, every, H-CAP
4: or whatever what H-CAP there's all the this. certifications taxes all this crap like so like finding other people that were going through the same struggles we did and kind of teaming up with them has really helped like we have coffee once a month with us and a bunch of other like local business owners and we just meet and we just go shit what are you dealing with this month oh crap here's what we're dealing with and it's really nice.
2: It really, like, I just moved to D.C. in September, and the community is so strong. It really seems, like, unique to this city, all these incubators. And, like you're saying, you know, do, do you feel that about D.C.? In any, oh, it's awesome. You know? I
4: mean, I've never been in, maybe it's just the other industries I've worked in, in my past, but I've never been in an industry that was so self-giving. Like, other companies come to us, they go, we love your snacklins. So we posted a picture of our snack, you know, of our dip with a snacklin in it on our instagram and i was like that's that's awesome like there's like support without you having to ask that like it's not a business negotiation like i'm used to having to negotiate you know me posting a twitter comment on something you know and now it's just people like support and we love to support the other guys around there's some amazing products that we've had a chance i mean we've i've become like a little product local whore like, you know recently i just get a bunch of local stuff i love a lot of the awesome products that they're
9: offering so
3: um, I, you know, I think that you have one of the most kind of unique and surprising products on the floor today at Mercantile. Is there anything else out there that was new to you or that you want to shout out?
4: Oh, I'm telling you, the one thing I was like, here at this Mercantile, I, I forgot their name, but it's the the adult peanut butters. The adult nut butters, Elliot's adult Elliot. nut butters. Now, that was awesome. I They weren't there, so I just like snuck a little bit of the garam masala peanut butter and that was like
8: it's like it's got I, like some layers of flavor
4: oh, in there oh so good like layers upon layers i really like i like that i like a lot of like really spicy unique stuff so i think if you have a snack then you're gonna realize even though it's like a healthy chip it's got a lot of kick for what it is i mean that was really impressive to me so i was actually like googling it when i was back at my table trying to figure out where i could buy
2: them you know dip some snacklins in some garam masala I
1: feel like we got like like, an underground
5: economy of like moving you barter trade at the good the good food mercantile the GFM Mm -hmm.
2: which you're you're on clock yeah you gotta get that back to
1: us
3: soon they should do like GFM chopped you get like,
4: oh! oh. Yeah. You have to like go get some like righteous felon jerky, mm-hmm. some nut butter from Elliot, and mm-hmm. like two snacklins. And, like, all right, make us an appetizer. Exactly. Oh, I right. Love Except
2: at the end, everyone will be like, no, 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 yours was the best. Yeah. That's <laughs> <it was laughs> yours no, yours was the best. No,
4: I'm gonna chop myself. I just don't feel like I was. I just think, worth think it. we're yeah. all in this together. <laughs> we are.
6: High five Power Rangers Uh I don't know maybe. By the
4: way Anyone else talk about The new Power Rangers movie I am incredibly Uh,
6: excited About the new Power Rangers movie
4: Wait did you hear They kicked the Green Ranger Out of his own movie premiere
2: What What? Like
4: the original Green Ranger Uh That dude has got to be like 40 He has a cameo And I guess in the middle Of the the premiere Before his cameo He pulled out his phone To record it and uh, you can't film, even if it's you on the TV screen. I like, even you, you on the movie screen. Oh wow! And so they kicked him out of the Power Rangers premiere. I know. That's oh a my crime. Goodness. I signed a petition in his honor. Don't worry. You should send Thank him you. some products. I'm gonna. I'm gonna send
2: him some. Like, as a consolation, here's some. <laughs> I will
4: notes. say we've sent some products. Some pretty awesome. We got a, like an email randomly, like about three months ago, from one of the producers of like Orange Is the New Black, and they were like eating them on set, I guess. And so we like finally like they sent us pictures, and it was like the bad boss lady who's like the she's like married to the governor guy or whatever and she's like the head like the prison warden she's like crushing our snacklins on set and shit and I was just laughing and I was like wow. no damn no.
5: you need to get that endorsement
4: yeah whatever <laughs> No, you've made
5: it when you're like have a a Netflix behind the scenes special
4: well you also know you're wasting a lot of product because you know it's always free like they're not going to buy it you know oh, no, you gotta send like, it to them so you're
2: like photo op though photo op, photo catch, op. 22 yeah. uh, catch
4: 22 there
3: that's fair that is fair <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sammy K, thank you so so much for being with us on Heritage Radio Network today.
4: Well, thank you guys, and yeah, cheers. Cheers. It's a pleasure to meet you. Awesome.
5: You're gonna come back and tell us what GFM.
4: Oh yeah, I gotta think. I'll think of GFM. No worry. Okay, yeah, come was, back.
5: We'll get you to do a station drop the on the, the way interview.
2: back. Interview. I just got preoccupied. It's okay. We
5: forgive you this time.
2: It's all right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. We'll be right back with our coverage here in just a bit. All right, here we are. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network and Full Service Radio at Good Food Mercantile Union Market, D.C. Um, we're continuing our conversations. Our drink spread at the table has now evolved into misfit juice, six-point beer, shrubs. we um, still got the, the activated charcoal lemonade and, and uh, kava going on, uh, but we're having a great time here, and we're about to get into a really deep fermentation conversation With two incredible guests in front of us, Um, we have first Sarah Gordon of Gordy's Pickle Jar, also host of a new show on Full Service Radio. So I'm going to be the first one to introduce you as a radio host in the interview. Yeah, where's your mic? Oh, nice and close. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. Um, Second guest we have here is um, Shane Carpenter from Hex Ferments. Welcome, Shane.
6: Happy to be here. Awesome.
2: So why don't you both just start off, give us the quick rundown. Who are you? Um, talk a little bit about your products. Maybe, Sarah, you want to kick it off.
7: Yeah. So my name is Sarah Gordon. I'm with Gordy's Pickle Jar. I um, started the company here in Washington, D.C. about five years ago with my uh, wife, Sheila Fane. Um, and we do a line of um, pickles and relishes and a Bloody Mary mix, and we just came out with a great new product, uh, Fine Brine, which you can find in a can
6: very useful. And I'm Shane Carpenter. My wife and I, Megan, started Hex Ferments uh, four years ago or so. And we do all traditionally fermented vegetables, uh, so sauerkrauts, to kimchi, cucumber pickles, all from local organic farms. And then we also do uh, uniquely balanced kombucha teas.
3: And uh, so we're in D.C. today, so um, we have a lot of kind of local producers here. I'm wondering, um, are your products available in New York, or um, how far are you distributing?
7: Yeah, so um, our products, Gordy's Pickle Jars, uh, available nationwide now um, with our partnership um, with a large grocery chain, but we're also in New York um, at a number of specialty stores, um, but we're, we're heavily distributed in the DMV area, which is the district, Maryland, and Virginia?
6: Our creations are primarily greater Baltimore, D.C. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much where we're at. We're in about 70 or so locations from small mom-and-pop places to Whole Foods.
2: Awesome. So, Shane, what's your background before before this? Um, Did you work in food at all, or...?
6: Yeah, I mean, the interest lies in f- where food comes from. I worked on farms when I was young, grew up in the Midwest uh, in South Dakota, saw kind of what happened uh, to family farms there, the large commodity crops sort of basically eliminated uh, the, you know, farms across the street from us on the edge of town in Sioux Falls. Um, I didn't really realize what was happening until much later in life, Uh, I went woofing around uh, Europe, uh, willing workers on organic farms. Uh, That was about 20 years ago now. Um, Really enjoyed that, enjoyed the travel experience. And then um, when I was, let's see, came back and um, started environmental science it uh, didn't seem like the best fit, started doing wildlife management and worked in Glacier National Park, following grizzly bears around and wolves, and uh, that didn't quite seem like the best fit, but it was fun. Then I worked for the Forest Service in Arizona as a wilderness ranger, and then when I was there in Prescott, Arizona, I started working for a daily paper uh, as a photographer, and that sort of like started this whole track uh, in, in photography. Uh, and then worked for newspapers and magazines and uh, did a lot of editorial type of stuff and photojournalism. And that's kind of where I made my bread. Um, and then I've always just been really interested in food uh, and where it comes from. And this is the food that we made uh, at, at our house with so my wife and I deep into urban homesteading uh you know Crocs, of bubbling meads and beers and everything else sounds
7: like cat lives
6: what's it cat lives cat lives what's (laughs) that lives oh yeah mostly just restless you know i skipped over a few too (laughs) um but yeah um just a constant interest um both of us had some uh you know family illness and our you know uh Megan's uh, mom died when she was young. Uh, my dad died when I was young. A lot of it probably stemmed from, um, you know, environmental factors and food. And, yeah, I just find uh, a lot of power in the healing of, of food, you know, all stretching back to how it's grown and where it comes from, the health of the soil and the earth and how people connect around the table. And our particular route in was through living foods, so fermented foods and um, you know the power they have uh, in their transformation from the raw vegetable to the jar into our into our bodies and yeah beyond the cycle continues. Wow, did I just totally ramble? <laughs> no, it was good. It's funny. Too bad like Megan's not here. She's usually like <laughs> hitting my leg. She's like, "You're," it gives me the eye. <laughs> so then,
2: Sarah, I imagine you grew up on farms in the Midwest. And no, right
7: chasing beers no (laughs) i uh so my background's in branding and communications uh my wife is an excellent cook and we just kind of put our heads together and really wanted to bring something to market so i focused on the branding of the product and sheila focused on developing the recipes and there we had it gordy's was born
2: but, like, growing up, were you doing kitchen experiments at home? Did you have a passion for that stuff, or, like, did you find it later?
7: No, I mean, I've always loved food, but I, I, I you wouldn't find me in the kitchen much unless someone else was preparing it, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, so my, I mean, yeah, so Sheila's more on the food side of it, and I'm more on the... But, of
2: course, you now have learned, I'm sure, so much, and... I'm sure your palate's evolved. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
7: yeah. I think I've always had a, been lucky with the, the palate, um, but now I find myself in the kitchen a lot more and, um, you know, learning new things every day from... Cool. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, quickly, wondering, like, what you both think about... Um, I don't want to call it a trend necessarily, but so many people are doing home fermentation, whether it's like making kimchi or kombuchas and stuff. Why do you think that is? What do you take from that? Um, what do you think is so special about that as like an activity at home, you know?
7: Because uh, it's delicious and a lot of fun.
9: It's
6: delicious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would argue it's sort of a response to a lot of, other larger trends that are moving in an opposite direction that involve mostly technology and disassociation um, with food and life (laughs) in in a lot of ways Um, that, you know, is bringing people closer to a lot of things that they may have been uh, intentionally or unintentionally separated from. And, uh, yeah, we're big advocates. Yeah, trend is always a, a touchy word for something that's been around for thousands of years. Right. Uh, but a renewed interest um, in uh, how these types of foods are made and um, the need for them in our diet and, the you know, flavor expansion. In-
7: I also think with, like, seasonality, people are starting to eat more local, more seasonal. And, you know, so if you want to have... You know, watermelon rind in the winter, you're going to put it up in the summer. So I think that people are getting um, more educated and realizing, you know, how important it is for them to, like, support their local food shed and their local farmers and local producers.
6: This is how people ate for thousands of years from jars or the equivalent of it. You know, crocks or other vessels, you know, buried or put away or... um, you know times of scarcity feast and famine and those cycles um i love the idea of like working with these invisible cycles mostly you know whether it's microbial or just seasonality um it's a lot of fun can make you feel uh connected
3: connected. how does uh in your business kind of that traditional practice um intersect or mesh or or potentially clash with innovation in your space?
6: I think there are, they dovetail, um, you know, uh, what we do is a constant interpretation of so many other culturally rich traditions uh, that we um, are happy to be the current interpreters of uh, in what we make um so definitely dovetails with innovation uh the the process of fermentation that keeps it alive i guess is the part that is most traditional for us it's you know now aided through the fermentation slowing device aka re- a refrigerator but um uh, besides that it's you know same way it was done long ago times of abundance putting it up and then eating from it until the food comes back.
2: Awesome. Let me shift gears for a quick second. I want to talk a little bit about the brine that that you guys are pushing out right now. How did the idea to do that come about? Um, What's the process been like trying to market something like brine, which is not necessarily, I don't know, something people are used to buying?
7: Right, yeah. Um, Well, the brine of your pickle jar is the most delicious part of the product. It's got all the spices. It's got... It, there's so much goodness to it. Um, so there was a lot of reasons why we decided to put it in a can. But one was we we saw so many people getting rid of their pickle juice and not drinking, you know, just eating their product and then throwing out this delicious brine. Um, so we just started to repurpose it in a number of ways. We were, like, making salad dressings. We were selling it to... Um, to so local bars, doing collaborations with local mixo- mixo- mixologists, um, and then one day, yeah, we just kind of light bulb went off, and we were like, "This would be really great to." We were also drinking a ton of it, you know, just out of the jar. So, just um, up, yeah. yeah. So, and that's not very, you know, I mean, it's it's okay, but it's, it's a little rustic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we were just like one day, like, let's put this in a can, and. That was that. We I imagine it's it like really good for you. It is, yeah. I mean, if ever if I'm feeling sluggish, I always drink like half of a can, and you know, it, it gives you kind of the same kind of pick pick me up as as coffee does. It kind of just replenishes your electrolytes, and um, but in a more holistic way. Um, and I don't know, it just kind of makes you gives you that upper you need at 3 p.m.
6: Yeah, so brilliant.
7: And, Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> So we're here at the Good Food Awards uh, Mercantile Show, and the Good Food Foundation is all about recognizing businesses that are not just making great products, but that are also producing sustainably and ethically. Um, So how do you feel about being part of this guild of producers, and uh, what are you doing that you feel like is um, the the best fit for the Good Food Awards?
6: Um, Well, I think that's worthy of a cross heritage shout out to the greenhorns they're doing a lot of work and uh... along those lines and in good ways and we're um, doing what we can here in the mid-atlantic uh... working with a lot of local a lot of young farmers um, we uh... every year support uh, future harvest and newly this year we're supporting their young farmer training program which is really cool um, been attending it for a lot of years i always thought maybe that i would be a farmer but somehow um we're fermenters um but yeah i mean finding new ways to uh feed people in the region that they're grown in sustainable ways Um, and so we source from local organic farms and the farmer comes to us with an abundance of something that maybe they didn't sell at market we try to pay them for it and find a an outlet for that with our eatership
7: that's awesome uh, yeah i think just making like a good fun clean product is is uh awesome <laughs> you know and that's kind of <laughs> what's made us win our good food awards um you know, if you look at the back of our labels, there's, in our Bloody Mary mix, there's six ingredients. Most Bloody Mary mix, if you look at the back of their labels, there's about 25 yeah. ingredients. Um, so I think it's just about being, you know, really transparent, sustainable, making your product as clean as possible. And um, I think that's the way that you could obtain a, a good food award.
6: To, to that end, we just started uh, the B Corps certification. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and I was really fascinated to learn that we're pretty much a B core already, but we just haven't gone through all the paperwork of it. But, um, yeah. that was really heartening to, to learn. But I think for consumers to be able to relate to without, you know, a 10 minute interview about, uh, where your ethos lies, um, seeing a little symbol, you know, whatever, you know, it is for your audience. But, um, for us I think that they'll be really helpful
2: I'm not going to let you get off the hook Sarah without telling everybody about your new podcast
7: oh yes awesome awesome Uh, so yeah so thanks to Jack uh, and the Lion Hotel I'll be doing a podcast um, shortly here now what's it May 1st or something Next month. Yeah, may-ish.
2: yeah. Be on the lookout. <laughs> but you're excited to get some of these D.C. stories? and
7: I'm super excited, yeah. And, and, and definitely I'm going to reach out uh, across the country, not just in D.C., um, about people doing really great things and uh, how they how they did it, how they built it.
2: Awesome. Well, keep an eye out for that. And keep tuning in for more from us here at Heritage Radio Network at the Good Food Mercantile here at Union Market D.C., doc 5 technically. Um, Shane, Sarah, thank you both so much.
6: Thank oh, you. We didn't even have to sing.
3: Oh, there's sing? time. Gonna sing?
6: There's yeah.
2: time.
3: Okay. Will you sing us into can our we, break?
6: we beatbox? We can beatbox.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll be right back. And we are back at the Heritage Radio Network, live coverage here of the Good Food Mercantile at Union Market D.C., at Dock 5, actually, here in Washington, D.C. we um, been having a wonderful day, jam-packed full of great interviews, and I'm really, really excited to actually pass the mic over to Jennifer Isham, who's the Director of Strategy for Union Market. Um, Hi. Hey, Jennifer. We met yesterday and uh, talked about doing radio, and now here you are, jumping into the pool.
8: It happened fast
2: very fast um so you'll be chatting with some incredible cheese guests that are sitting right in front of us we have Elena Santogade see I'm going to give it the Italian pronunciation <laughs> that's totally fine. and uh, Eli Cairo so I'll let Jennifer take it from here so
8: Eli we met yesterday and you did a panel about starting a small business so c- I haven't met you but I've tried your products which are amazing so Thanks. I just wanted to have both of you just tell us a little bit about your businesses and what you do. And
9: Sure. Cool. Start I, with I'm, you. I'm Eli Cairo. I started Olympia Provisions in 2009. I'm a charcuterie maker, and I do pretty much everything with pork. Um, 2009, I had a small 900-square-foot one-man meat plant. I won four Good Food Awards that year. Uh, uh, can you
8: tell us what you were going to do when you... Uh, how broke you were that you were going to do something else? And yes, tell us about uh, that.
9: yeah, exactly. I was being my one man plant. I was uh, working every moment as you can imagine, being a one man show in a meat plant. And I was really, really broke and never made any money yet. And I was really thinking about becoming a barista, like a moonlighting in the morning as a barista, then meat processor in the day. And my sister happened to send out my meat products. I won the four Good Food Awards, and then I started meeting Sam from Byride, my first conversations with Whole Foods. Oh, it was just such a very pivotal and amazing moment when I met the Good Food Awards, and now... You didn't have to be a barista. Thank God, because I yeah. would have sucked. I suck with people, let's be honest. <laughs> Way better with dead pigs and sausages.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
9: but we yeah. all have our strengths. Yeah, exactly. Mine just happen to be cold dead animals. That's fine. <laughs> uh, anyways... Uh, Now, fast forward till now, I won my 12th Good Food Award. I have five restaurants and 40,000 square foot meat plant, 17 farmer's markets a week, a catering business, and around 200 employees. And then I get to be here, drunk in the middle of the day, talking about sausages.
5: Oh, excellent. Okay, great. Elena, over to you. Okay. (laughs) Well, to follow that up, uh, I'm Elena Santigade from Grafton Village Cheese in Vermont. So we have a, a... very different story in the sense that Grafton is quite established. We've been around for a really long time, making mostly aged cheddars, but also sheep's milk cheeses. Um, And, you know, with any business, we've gone through many different iterations. I mean, Grafton technically has been around since uh, the turn of the 20th century, so that's kind of a while ago. And then since the 1960s, we've, um, we've been doing what we do now in some... Form or another, and we're actually owned by a nonprofit foundation called the Wyndham Foundation, and um, the foundation's mission is to support uh, Vermont's rural agricultural communities. So, a big way that we do that, um, as the cheesemaking arm, is to buy milk from local farms in Vermont, uh, and then we make the cheese, and the rest is delicious.
8: And our family, do you have a family business like Eli does?
5: Uh. We, I think it feels like a family of Grafton Village cheese, um, just because Vermont, small-town Vermont, how could you not have that feeling? Um, uh, but, no, it's, it's sort of grown beyond that over the years.
8: And do you now, like, they are definitely in every business, like, the ups and downs of the business and what you're talking about in Vermont... Right now, do you see the business, is it growing, or are you having problems that a lot of other farmers are having in Vermont?
5: You know, for us, it's we feel like we have a lot of growth happening right now. I mean, I'm I'm one of a team of sales managers for Grafton Village Cheese, and I, um, I I do the New York City, Philadelphia area, that sort of general, sort of very specific region. Um, but for <clears throat> for us, the big exciting thing these days is our cave age program, where we're expanding our capabilities in that realm, um, and then also, really just sort of across the board, raising our profile with the aged cheddars that we do. So, it's it's fun to work with a product and with a company that's had a lot of exposure in the market, and you kind of go through these cycles of being the older kid on the block. Right, and, and then, then someone invents something, right, and like there's a right. new thing in flavor. And then you kind of, Try out through some R and D process. We have some sheep's milk stuff that's really exciting, and some of those are like the new kids on the block. So it's it's a really fun cycle that we get to be a part of.
8: So yesterday, like, you were telling me that you started doing some che- when you started before you did Olympia. You worked with a guy who did cheese all the time in this village. Yeah. And so, have you ever wanted to diversify, or you just stayed where you are? Like, uh, does that ever happen to both of you? That like when you're so specific in one area that you really want to diversify your food choices?
9: No, yeah, we'll. For me, meat is my like. It's what I eat, drink, and think. It's like my thing. So I never have thought about ever brewing, you know, brewing beer or anything. I'm a I'm a meat maker. But I I did do my apprenticeship in Switzerland in a very cheese heavy village, and my neighbors were all you know alpine cheese makers and. I was only supposed to be in my apprenticeship for six months, and the way that I figured I would uh, be able to stay longer, so I made myself very valuable to everybody in the community. So, you know, like on my hours off, I'd run across the street and I would, you know, brush cheese or rotate cheese or feed hay to the cows. And I really, the cheese making process was kind of reason. I just the reason why I do what I do. I realized that it's just a very beautiful lifestyle that they live. You know, focusing on a product every day, making sure their raw ingredients are amazing. Uh, it really took from a cheesemaker to realize that I was that I love the process of meat making and wanted to make sure it was my livelihood.
5: Very meditative. Very. Right?
9: I mean, you got to be like, I say that always with a true processor. You got to be like such a fan of monotony. Like if you're not ready to stand at a table and listen to bad sports radio for like eight hours a day, <laughs> do the same thing, you're in the wrong, wrong field. You know. Yeah.
8: I think what's so interesting about everyone that has their thing mm-hmm. is that there's a reason they have it. And so, like, why do you why do you guys think you have it, and what do you think your appreciation is for it?
5: Well, you I know. think for us at, us at Grafton, I mean, so much of what we do is is so focused on aged cheddar. Um, and it's funny because we've actually, we, we were really excited this year to uh, have some accolades from the Good Food Awards on uh, both of our, uh, both one of our cheddar cheeses that we make um, with the 100% Jersey cow milk from Springbrook Farm. Of quality cheddar, and then also our 100% sheep's milk cheese called Bear Hill. And so it's interesting, um, as a company that's been very focused on making one style of cheese making, not just cheese, but p- particularly one style, um, to be branching out into the sheep's milk realm and doing different different types of cheeses in that sense uh, and then getting accolades for them is is i think really fun for our cheese makers
8: with all like the sexy cheeses like everyone thinks that cheddar's not that sexy anymore like
5: it's it's still sexy i mean the oh, thing is, i mean think about a, think about a cloth-bound cheddar you need to de-robe the cheese before you eat it i mean what's sexier than undressing a cloth-bound cheddar
9: true okay you win Excellent.
8: Okay. Yeah. Can you beat that? Okay, let's hear about, like, your meats. Let's go. Uh, why, but do you
9: have a... Like, that is, there, is there, like, a flavor
8: now that's, like, in vogue? Does that happen with in your me, products?
9: Gosh, you know, I don't know. I got into charcuterie making because, you know, when I first came back to America, this was, what, 14 years ago after living in you know, five years, I was trying charcuterie and there wasn't anything very delicious, personally. You know, it was all, it was a different game back there. The cheese game is way more advanced, you know, they are, we've been eating soft bloomy rind cheeses in America now for 20 years, it's, there's still not very many salami producers that are producing bloomy rind salamis like I am. And so, I mean, I think uh, I got into it because well, it was what I I did, but I remember very vividly walking around the farmers market in Portland with my sister, getting Rogue's blue cheese, you know, smoked salmon, amazing organic food, amazing natural wine was way ahead and I'm like let's get a stick of salami and she's like I don't know if anybody makes salami Uh, and I was like oh wait a second but I do (laughs) and yeah she looked at me and she's like you're crazy nobody's gonna eat this high fatty meat covered in mold and I was like you're probably right let's give it a go and so yeah
8: how much do you have to educate consumers and distributors and restauranters
5: for your products I would say you know that's a big it's a huge part of it and and I do think that in the last 10 to 15 years on the cheese side of things I mean, the American buyer and the American chef have come so far. Their IQ is so much higher than it was. And even now, you know, the consumers share a lot of that knowledge. Uh, People are, are interested in whether a cheese is pasteurized or raw. They might be excited about the fact that a raw milk cheese can express some sense of place, some terroir like wine does. Um, people want to know who produces the cheese and how and I just find like the level of curiosity across the board is is very inspiring and it's exciting for us because if you're you know making cheese or making charcuterie in the right ways you have a great story to tell and there's a lot of history and a lot to inform the process. So the more we can share that with our customers and the end, the final customer uh, the better the better we all
9: are. Totally. It's like actually right now what we're doing is Is it, like the Good Food Awards. Right here at the Good Food Awards. Right here this interview. People interested in hearing our story a decade ago, this wasn't happening. I mean, like, what, how old is the Good Food Awards now? Seven years, eight years? And they're pretty much the, not the only, but it's actually the only awards group that is celebrating responsibly made, not only delicious, but very responsibly made awesome food. So this show, Meeting People... I mean, it's still happening. I met my first customer in South Dakota, and he knew everything about my products. Like, the, pretty wild. You know, it's just amazing to me. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it's
8: like fans. I mean, the thing that a lot of the people that are here that are buying for their supermarkets or mm-hmm. grocery stores or restaurants or whatever—they all are fans yeah. of the Good Food Awards because the Good Food Awards kind of does the work for them.
9: Yeah. And they right.
8: really bet the people. Absolutely. And you guys are right. the best of the best. It's a major award, and it's a an award, filter, right. and it's, it's a great
5: room to be in. I mean, Absolutely. you just you go yeah. around from table to table and it's just one one astounding product after another so okay so
8: for our listeners if you have one business advice for all those people out there that are dreaming of starting their own business like
5: you guys what do you think
8: what's your piece of advice
5: well i actually i mean grafton is so has been established for so much longer than since i've been a part of it but i would say you know every day if you can have an entrepreneurial mindset no matter how established your business is whether or not it's just an idea or if you're walking into a group of people that have been, that have been doing something well for a long time never being afraid to try the new thing I think is it
9: yeah uh, I guess I always kind of go back to just remember why you got into it you know I always think if I wouldn't be doing this I'd be a barista and hating my life so <laughs> you know like I, I went into it with the idea of making these beautiful meats and supporting farms and hopefully changing the community around me and now that you know if you keep working at your true core values and giving good livelihoods to your employees making sure your farmers are happy and making the best product you can it's very rewarding and there's sometimes it's a dark place and you have to work through that but it'll pay back just buckle down and get after it
8: that's great Anything else you guys want
5: to say? It's been a great
9: interview. Yeah, thanks for everything yeah. you do at Heritage Radio, and thanks yeah. so much for having us. You guys thanks are amazing. For,
5: thanks for yeah, putting the spotlight on this world.
9: Yeah. And thank you, Jennifer, for our
2: guest hosting. Um, we will be back shortly with more coverage from Good Food Mercantile here at Union Market. Stay tuned.
1: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter.